0: Hey folks, this is Ian Foster, and this is If and When, a podcast where I talk to other creators about how and why they do their thing. To start, I'm talking to colleagues, friends, and veterans of the arts community at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. These are not so much traditional interviews as they're a chat over coffee or something a little stronger. So come sit in and have a listen. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is part two of my conversation with Christina Martin. If you missed part one, go back to the previous episode and you'll hear it. We pick up right where we left off. Uh, As you could probably tell from that conversation and my intros, I love Christina. I think she's a really cool person. I've known her for a long time. And I really like this conversation that we had about music, about vulnerability, about gratitude, all that stuff. So. I hope you're enjoying it so far, and you'll continue to enjoy it. Due to the nature of um, time and recording, I'm recording this intro prior to the room show that will now have already happened by the time you're hearing this. So expect to hear some details in the next episode about how all that went. I should just pretend that that has happened and just been like, wasn't that a great time? But what happens? What happens if, like, I melt down there? And and you'll be like, that wasn't a great time. We heard about that in the news. Like, we know you're in hiding now, you know? So I've got to be consistent here and let you know that either it went well or I'm in hiding. And then we'll find out for sure in the next episode. Um, I'm also recording it in advance because my lovely partner, Nancy who we are touring with on a Christmas tour, (laughs) have you heard me mention that in previous episodes? I guess you have. Details, ianfoster.ca. For my birthday this year, she surprised me with um, a plane ticket to Nashville to visit some good friends of ours for a couple of days and to see one of my favorite comedians of all time, Mark Barron, on his latest comedy tour. And that's a pretty damn good birthday gift, don't you think? So I'm going to be away or will have already been away by the time you've heard this. And guess what? It was a great show or I melted down and I'm now in hiding. Who knows? It's going to be one of the two. Okay, let's get right to Christina here. So we're going to pick up in part two of my conversation with Christina Martin. Because I think you walk a really interesting line of like consistently releasing high quality material. But you're also very honest in the way that you... You speak to people through that same social media. And I think that that shouldn't be a surprise, but it is. Because I feel like there's a lot of bands that mm-hmm. have one or the other, but rarely both. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Interesting.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, thank you. The rest of this yeah. podcast
0: will just be compliments <laughs> yeah. towards I you. I think
1: if you could just a uh, couple more. Yeah, also, just keep going. No. <laughs> I heard you're a good
0: runner. and uh,
1: Oh my gosh, I'm not. I am... Uh, I'm a jogger, a light jogger, and I do intervals of walking and jogging.
0: I just pulled that out because I remembered you were running at one point. Anyway. I do
1: try to. I exercise every day. If, well, I mean, I may skip some days when my body's like sore, or whatever. I'm getting old. My bones are. They need a break, um, but. Uh, yeah, you know, that that was probably, um, we would have gotten back from a, a Europe tour in 2018, and it was a tough decision to, at the time I had to, my agent in Europe, was um, who's wonderful, uh, Thomas, um, was already booking a year ahead. I mean, they, they book a year, a year and a half ahead mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to play everywhere. And um, Europe is uh, one of the places where, you know well, the population is so dense and like people are still buying CDs and um I think and they, there's an appreciation for music uh more places to play so it makes sense that more artists would like to play there where the work is anyway i was um noticing that i was really like bur- i know the, i noticed the the signs of the burnout cycle and i was just over overwhelmed and not enjoying the work as much complaining a lot more and then finding my health was failing more often than not and and um and i i had to make the decision are we going to tour again in europe the next year and what's the rest of the what's the next five years going to look like you know if, if i feel like this now how how am i going to have the energy to sustain this and create and and i was also quite financially stressed and uh so i i booked the i'd made the decision to not tour in europe still play shows like if but closer to home and we took a vacation this last winter so that would have been the last may at 2018 is when you would have probably seen that post and then that uh weekend when we still played shows we still toured out western canada but it it was more manageable and i all along i was thinking what am i going to do like how uh, you know it you're also questioning, you know, is this really, like, should I really be doing this? Like, is this fatigue and, and uh, hard, let's <laughs> say the financial hard times, is this all like a sign that I'm in the wrong mm. way, wrong mm-hmm. business, wrong, um, you know, who am I? To, you start having all these really negative thoughts and mm-hmm. just questioning things. And But when you take, the time to look after yourself and, and re kind of like just reassess your intentions and your business. And, you know, I, I found, I found a way to, to turn it around for now and to try something new, a new approach, which Patreon became a part of that. How can I, you know, I do, you hate to think about money all the time when you're a creator. Mm -hmm. Uh, All you want to do is write a song Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. make people feel things and you want to heal and do the tough work yourself. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a part of it that you have to think of. I you mean, so
0: do. I've made the joke to musicians where I'm like, "Think about your tombstone. <laughs> Here lies yeah, Ian Foster. Yeah. Played a lot of gigs. Yeah. Here like, lies Ian Foster. Yeah. Answered emails promptly. Like oh, you don't know, need yeah. those fucking things on your tombstone. You need no. something better than that. You've got to look at your life as a whole. You know.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's to be honest. Like I hear a lot of the time. Like people do tell me, oh, you know, you work so hard. Well, I do work hard. I think a lot. I think we all do. I might, it might be more obvious because I'm, I'm very active on social media. I don't think I work as hard as a lot of people. Like, I mean, I take breaks. Like, I know my limits and I've learned that through burnout periods and ups and downs and all that. And um, I'm pretty mindful about it. Um, uh, I've lost my train of thought now, but like, <laughs> just, but uh, I think, yeah, it's like who wants to be known for, w- being a hard worker who fucking cares like mm-hmm. um I would like to someday you know I, I'm always like I think both my my m- not just me but like working with Dale Murray too like uh I think we both like are always trying to do better in the studio trying to be better uh performers um because that's what we, we would like to be known for that I I would really love to someday be known at the end of my life as someone who could um, connect with people on a visceral level with the work in person as a human, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, in my life, the relationships I have with people, like, I feel like you're that kind of person, like you're really, uh, easy to connect with and, um, thoughtful. You give people attention, your full attention. You, uh, the encounters we've always had, like, that's what I get from you. Um, I think those are the things that matter, you know, and uh, and the the healing and the stories are in the work. So yeah, I'm pro- I'm probably gonna have that on my tombstone. T- t- yeah, she worked really fucking hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
0: it. you'll be like shit. Yeah, no, but no, Damn I I I, uh, I completely agree. Like it's come up constantly in my life for when I at some point in the last few years when I realized that I like produce for others, I tour, I write songs, I do some composing for film, yeah, and I'm like inevitably you're like. Jesus, master or none? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the concerns, right? And you're doing it all. And I'm like, what is the through line here? And the only thing I could come up with was communication, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that is trying to communicate, like, the subtext in a scene Mm -hmm. of a film that you're scoring. Mm -hmm. So you're like, well, he's mad, so let's make the music sad because he's really only mad because he's sad. Mm. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or it's like, obviously, playing shows, connecting with people, but writing songs, too, or producing a record for someone and trying to, like... You know, pull their vision out of them yeah. and 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 interpret that and wield that somehow into sound. I mean, it's a completely bizarre process that I bet mm-hmm. Dale Murray could speak to very directly yeah. if he had a mic. He doesn't have a microphone, but he's
1: <laughs> he's smiling in the corner and agreeing and nodding and and looking good. He just got his haircut done at Fogtown. There you go. Ad for Farber. Fogtown. They yeah.
0: are they are one of the 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 premier haircut mm-hmm. places you chose well. Um,
1: yeah. No, but it's an interesting um, thing, you know, to be. Known for that thing that you, you don't want it. you don't want to be, <laughs> you don't give a shit about that. Like, you're just doing all that. You're you're doing, you know, the work because you're dedicated and, like, you, you got a lot of work. Like, I feel uh, like we're just getting started. Like, I'm, I have so much to learn. I know nothing about what I do. Right. There's just, that's the feeling I always get and what keeps me going is, like, you just got to, if you stop now, like. And do you find uh, it helps you stopped? (laughs) It it helps. It
0: helps me when the negative thoughts creep in. Like over the years, you know, as an artist, I've had them all. I've had professional jealousy. Mm -hmm. I've had like sort of anger that stuff didn't work out. Disappointment, sadness that stuff didn't work out. And I found myself trying to just go like when I, I catch myself more easily now just to be like, Dude, you gotta just get back to fucking work, man. Like, that's what I try to tell myself because I'm like, when I'm making a record, mine or other people's, I'm not thinking those thoughts. It's only when I'm, like, idle that I'm thinking those thoughts. Do you find that?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I I used to have a lot of those negative thoughts as well. Um, And yeah, the more you you sit around thinking about that stuff, the less time you're uh, doing your own work, for sure. I feel better... I mean, there's a fine line, like I feel better. I was going to say, I feel better when I'm doing work in general, but I have, I have had an issue where I don't know how to shut off working. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've used the term workaholic and, you know, just because I'm not necessarily comfortable and Dale can attest to this. Like I'm not, uh, it's hard for me to relax. Um, you know, cause the, then when you have all this open space or, Relaxation time or whatever. I just don't have to do with it. I feel by panic, and I feel like I should be doing something. Where does that come from, you know? And then you mm-hmm. start uh, more, more so now in my life. I'm example. Why, why do I feel that need to keep going? Like, what have I not come to terms with or processed? Or is that just part of my nature to always be doing? And, and uh, you know, uh, it's a little bit of like uh, there have been times where I didn't want to deal with the stuff that was uh, bottled up inside. Um, but my both of my parents are very much busybodies bodies. And uh, my father was an entrepreneur and could create something from nothing. And he was always uh, working on something. And um, my mother, she's not someone who would just sit around, you know, she like, take care of business, take care of other people. And so I think I get a lot of that from, uh, from them uh, as well. But um I totally lost my train of thought, and you're
0: talking about the uh, the idleness versus uh, and like negative thoughts. That we're kind
1: negative of thoughts. On. Oh yeah. So, um, but like in terms of the negative thoughts, like towards or like things like let's say jealousy towards, and you hear somebody else is doing something, or um, and, and all of a sudden it triggers up. Well, you know, I sh- I should be doing that, or I uh, why you know why haven't I gotten that recognition or something? And I started this thing where. Um, I'm sure I read this like a in a number of places um, where I, I started turning it into like a positive uh, prayer for that person. Mm. So you get into the habit of like, um, you see someone's doing something that maybe you wish you had or whatever. Just fucking be grateful or be glad for them. Be happy. Um, send a little message out and be like, you know what? That's fucking awesome. Like they deserve it. Um, even if they didn't deserve it like good for them that's going to be such a great move for them um gratitude and I try to then I, I like it has nothing to do with me really um so you just it's just noticing these things and having the awareness that like uh and the negative thoughts can really drag you down yeah they don't uh or I guess what you're saying is like that might trigger you to just go and do the work. And then that's like a healthy motivator.
0: No, I try not to wield it that way. I've definitely done that. No, no, no. (laughs) That's like, I I get that feeling, right? But then I feel like if you work from that standpoint of like, well, I'll show them. Like that's probably not going to work out. You know, that's probably not great. Whereas for me, I'm just sort of like, it's actually more what, what you're saying, I think, which is that you're going like, this doesn't really have anything to do with me. Yeah, yeah. I.e., why am I occupying myself I gotta get worrying to work, yeah. about them? Yeah. I should just go off and do my thing. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that yeah. matters to me, that affects me.
1: Yeah. That being said, like, we're talking, this is a different scenario, like, where something, like, there's been an injustice, let's say. Right. And that's, it, sometimes that sparks the inner... I would say the inner child voice of mine to be like, you know, I'm going to speak my voice. I'm going to speak my truth. And I, guess what? I'm fucking lucky. I get to do that through song. Right. Like, I'm, right. I'm going to use this platform as an outlet. I, I certainly have done that. Um, and I, I encourage others to as well. Um, you know, so taking obviously, uh, you know, taking, uh, let's say, negative feelings or emotions or things you just don't know what to do with you and put them into Mm songs but yeah that's different than um watching what other people are doing and then feeling like i should be doing that or
0: Mm -hmm. yeah let me ask you a really specific scenario question okay um so at some point for me i said this several years ago now looking back it felt like I don't, and I can't pinpoint even the moment in this, which I think is kind of the point, that like I had just cumulatively collected enough moments, whether it was enough countries toured in, enough shows played, enough like whatever. It wasn't an accolade, it wasn't a like, well, you won an award, whatever. But I just mean that there was a moment where I'm like, like I've proved objectively that there's some value to what I do, which mm-hmm. is a, maybe a, an underachieving artist attitude to even think that that's necessary. Validation comes from within, right? Uh-huh. But then there was like the thing of going like, but what now? Like, what was uh-huh. that even what I was trying to do? Mm-hmm. Like, why have I hit this crossroads? Is that something that's ever happened to you? Um, the answer could be no, Ian, you're yeah. fucking nuts too. That's fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, what, like, I mean, I suppose... Ask me the question again.
0: (laughs) That's that's a good idea because I'm not even sure I really asked it. Yeah. Um, So, let me frame frame it I guess a little bit differently. So next
1: week, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, for me, I think for a long time there was an attitude of like I think part of the drive for driven people, and this is probably why I'm asking. I don't ask this question to everybody, but I feel like there's so much of your story that I that I see mirrored like may I think this mm. is why we connect and why we get along like a lot of things you say resonate with me very very directly right ditto and uh, that's cool that's cool so so for a while i felt like that drive mm-hmm. was just like i got to do this i got to like prove to mm. someone Almost like that, I'll show them thing. Yeah. But it was also really like, I'll show me. It was an un, like a concern to me that like, I uh, feel like it's both a confidence, like you have to have confidence to even bother to go out and do it. Yeah. Let's say touring. But also there's that doubt. There's that artistic doubt of like, can I do it? Like, yeah. am I good enough? Can I, is this, this this resonates yeah. with me? Will it resonate with anyone else? Yeah. And then after enough years, it seemed like I hit a moment where I I felt Like, and I'm trying to say this not outside of ego, just going like, well, clearly I'm saying this to people in different languages. I've got my little pat Mm. on the back moment of like, this has worked. Yes. But there's still so much further to go. Like, what now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, well, in time, if you, you know, obviously you've developed, and I think I've, I have as well, a a certain amount of confidence, at least knowing that you're going to try things and they're either going to work out or they aren't. There's an accumulation of successes, however, you measured the successes. So yes. it may not be, for me, it's not financial, clearly. Right. If, if anybody <laughs> wants to see my bank account statements, there's a base level um, of disaster
0: we've come to expect.
1: <laughs> right. And we're comfortable with now <laughs> that we were not comfortable with for many years um acceptance is a big part of it too yeah. um but there for me again it boils down to the work so you know um the, the more uh the more records the more albums, si, si, the more singles you know the more videos you go through and like I said some are maybe uh you know some of them maybe you you you, you view more highly than others um but you've done it you did that thing that you were scared to do that you thought, I, I, have the, I don't have the right to do this, you know, because whatever the chatter in your brain or the ego was saying, was saying that, you know, was was telling you, you you might not be able to or you might not be good enough. You did it, and it's there, and and there were people who liked it. There were people who wrote to you and told you how much it meant to them and mm-hmm. shared a very specific personal story mm-hmm. um, and it's the accumulation of those things that i think give you the confidence to continue if you still have the desire um feel like you have something to say you know and and like um i don't worry so much about i mean i th- uh i think if if you show up as a writer if you show up to the page if you make the time you know it could be like 15 minutes a day or it could be, geez, once a month it, That that's all the time you can find. Something's going to come out. It may right. not be like the best. I, I now know that there are more days than not that I sit down to write and it's just, it's pretty boring and mundane and it's probably not going to ever become, you know, public, um, you know, domain <laughs> or uh, no one's ever going to read it or hear it. That's part of the process when you're a creator. You have to, show up for, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly. And um, so now I know that that's part of the process, and and I'm okay with that. There's a little bit more, like, trust, I suppose. Mm. But if you're just starting out, I think it could be kind of scary. Like, um, there were times, like in 2015, I put out a record called It'll Be All Right, and we had a lot of investment from the government and the province, and I was spending a lot of my own money, more than ever. And I was planning bigger live shows with the band. I was planning on touring more with the band. I had invested in a whole wireless system thinking I was going to be, you know, doing these big shows night after night or not night after night, but like with a crew. And, um, because I had this kind of idea, like if you build it, they, it'll happen. And, you know, we didn't, I didn't achieve everything I set out to do, but we grew as artists and performers. And we put out a record we're really proud of. We toured in Europe with the band. We toured in Canada with the band. Um, I was still broke, (laughs) more broke than ever, Right. but the work got stronger. And that, for me, that was success. We, we had more fans, we had more connections built. It's not always about the money.
0: Well, it's deciding, um, like you said earlier, what your version of success is. Yeah. Because there isn't one answer to that. And yeah. I also think you've done a good job of creating and, and 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 respecting a worldview as opposed to what I think is like, I think too many people rely on anecdotes because that can go one way or the other. And when I say that, I mean, when you start off, all you have is anecdotes. Well, mm-hmm. I went and I did this show. It was an open mic. Mm -hmm. no one listened but one person at the back said good job after so Mm -hmm. that's your anecdote right and that anecdote can grow to like incredible things that person who writes you this incredibly specific story about their lives and it's like truly heartwarming and I'm sure you've got a bunch that I could ask you about and you'd be able to recite many details of that story even if it happened years ago because it leaves an indelible mark Mm -hmm. and in a way that's an amazing thing but in another I found like that's not going to sustain you through like a, a hard year mm, any more than yeah. like, you know, you might be really upset one day and realize, shit, it was just one shitty email I got. That was just a negative anecdote. I shouldn't be upset about that either. Mm-hmm. So either side, good or bad, that doesn't work to live by that. It's yeah. more like understanding like, you know, what your version of success is, how you manage mm-hmm depression or failure or any of those things yeah. and you can only learn that i think like you can't you can like try to get ready for it but until it's happened to you you've gone through it i don't know if you can know it
1: yeah i think you're right um you know and like i may not i've developed my business and this career it's not you know like a mind-blowing career or anything that um you know when we go over to europe like they ask us if we're famous in canada and i'm uh, you say
0: yes every time you're yeah, like my huge ma- it's crazy Only with my
1: mother um <laughs> i feel like every every single show we play whether it's a cafe or house concert or um a theater um i'm just trying my everyone i just think i we got to work we got to haul ass to sell tickets like it's mm-hmm. maybe i won't be able to do the business side of things but i got to say like um and i think a lot of writers can relate to this maybe you can too like uh but writing and singing has kept me healthy and it's been part of my journey to learn who I am and my voice and learn about other people and like empathize and um it's probably saved my life more times than one and and so there's a deeper reason for it for me that I suppose if I couldn't continue to tour for whatever reason like I would still write or find a way to tell stories and and um and exercise that need um yeah so i think the and you know i i didn't bring the, bring up the i think writing journaling um and creative writing you know as a teenager was really just as important for me as the piano lessons um uh i mean yeah that they, they, they those two things uh have have been really yeah my, they've kept me out of trouble Mm. Like so. Hmm. I hope they keep keeping me out of trouble.
0: Yeah. Tell me about um the, you, you've done some work with uh there was a record I I'll, I'll Remember Me, I think is
1: Remember Me, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it about read, dementia. It, it wasn't a self
1: absorbed career move like great Christina Martin, greatest hits. <laughs> Remember. Remember me, five songs. <laughs> uh, that was <laughs> Um, that was a really uh, unexpected like opportunity to learn about Alzheimer's and dementia. I was an invitation from uh, Dr. Kenneth Rockward. He's a world renowned geriatrician, a friend of mine. Um, and he initially adding, uh, as a fan of my music, uh, you know, seeing me play at the Carlton in Halifax, approached me at a at a party. One day, and um, this sounds so fancy. Uh, at a Christmas party somewhere, uh, we were eating shrimp cocktail, and no. Um, he a- asked me if I would be interested in writing a song in, to honor his, one of his great mentors, Dr. John Gray, who's known as the uh, founder of geriatric, kind of like the godfather of ger- geriatric medicine in, in Canada. I actually uh, was stationed uh, in, I believe, in newfoundland labrador uh some some now i don't want to mistell the story so look up dr john gray and uh but he was uh you know the type of doctor that was like on call uh, like would go in the middle of the night like on call 24 7 mm-hmm. middle of the night by dog sled in the winter time to to help people and when he eventually moved out west i think he um started his work towards making care better for our aging population and Landed in Halifax uh, and developed a memory clinic and, and was doing work to make care better for, for, um, for people experiencing Alzheimer's and dementia. And so I had no background in this. I had no personal connection, really. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people didn't. Was it like the question came up in my mind, why would someone like me care about this? Like, I mean, you know why. But the question comes up, um, if I've got to learn about this and then write a song about it, how, like, how am I going to, you know, honor this guy's life? I don't even know. And tie it to like making care better for people. It was a, initially I found it was a daunting task because I'd never really song written in that way. I was always writing for myself and figuring out my own questions in life and, and it was a really wonderful exercise and, um, in empathy and, and learning, uh, to really dig into, yeah, this other person's life and, and to, um, anyway, so then uh, we did the song Dale and I, uh, wrote the song, um, uh, to honor Dr. John Gray for this documentary about his life. And then Kenneth, uh, invited me to do a year long program where I would learn about dementia and Alzheimer's and then write songs. And we decided to do an EP called "Remember Me," and that's where we—that's—that's um, that's what the songs. These five songs were meant to honor, basically, the the the, the care workers, givers, um, the individuals living with dementia and Alzheimer's, and and I remember asking Dr. John Gray when early on, when I was um, starting to read and learn about dementia before going in to meet with. Um, patients and just observing and hearing their stories and sitting in with support groups like what is the most important thing that you've learned in your work that you the message that you want to get across and he told me that above all like the most important thing you can do as a human being uh, is to show someone that you care and that's the most important simple thing and it could be you know just sitting in a room with somebody in need, not even speaking, but just being there. Your presence, you know, mm-hmm. um, or picking up the phone if you if you think your friend maybe uh, if you notice they're they're off and and uh, just saying you know hey I'm here for you you know whatever you need or taking someone out to lunch and just kind of looking after each other and sometimes it's in simpler ways than we, th- we we think you know we think we need to have these grand gestures, um, financial or otherwise, and time. And it can really be so simple as just showing up for five seconds and telling someone you love them and you're thinking of them or sitting with them through the night, through a transition, you know, um, major transition time. And uh, yeah, so that's where that project came from.
0: Nice. You know, I know it could be a, a daunting project from a commission standpoint to do something like that, but I mean, themes like that have been present in all your records.
1: Well, I think, I think starting out my first album would have been in uh, 2002 when it came out, and uh, I think looking back as a songwriter, I was always just trying to touch on, you know, like, whatever was on my heart, like, what was, you know, at that time, I think I had a lot of there were things in my family. I was writing a lot about family and trying to understand them more. Like, um, so I, I've touched on really just like, uh, you know, I have a lot of songs where I write, uh, like conversations with my older brother, Stefan, uh, my late brother, Stefan, who we lost in 2013. Um, and we were very, very close. Uh, but there were things that we couldn't maybe talk about. I, I didn't, I couldn't, couldn't be there for him in ways that I think today I, I certainly would not hesitate to be, you know? Mm. Um, and I noticed in the songs, the earlier songs and he was still alive, I would, I would, uh, be talking to him. Even though I was his younger sister, it was as if I was like the big sister trying to give him advice about love. And cause I, all I ever wanted really for him, the most thing, the biggest thing I wanted was for him to experience a healthy, loving relationship. And, and, uh, you know, he, he never really, he did have, I think, very, very amazing, uh, friendships and he, people loved my brother. He was very generous and liked to take care of people and, um, but uh, in terms of a healthy, loving relationship, that wasn't that wasn't in the in the cards for him, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and so I would kind of uh, one of my first songs, uh, my first album was called "Pretty Things." That was a song me just me, basically wishing him the pretty things in life, and you know, wishing I could change the way he saw things. Like if he could see things a little bit more like me, there might it might have brighter days, let's say. And I don't know, just kind of maybe a little naive younger sister I didn't really understand his traumas and what he went through he, uh, he was my half-brother and um, I grew up with him uh, since I was born but I, I didn't I never really took the time and I don't even know if he did like to dig into his his uh, family trauma his mother was murdered when he was 13 and things we never talked about as a family and so mm. I, sp- I spent a lot of my time I think as a songwriter like learning how to Have, find the words. And a safe place to do that is in songs. You know, it's sometimes easier to write a letter, to sing a song. Uh, Maybe you can kind of mystify it or code it so it's not, you know, Maybe, maybe not everyone can recognize <laughs> exactly yeah. who or what you're talking. It's about. also
0: a considered medium, right? like it's a consi- like you can write the song and like put it in the drawer for a little while. that's and right. go back to it and like yeah. learn it's not a fucking tweet the opposite of a song where it's like yeah. instantaneous and going, oh, maybe I should have rethought that you know yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah you can craft it and and understand it a bit more, you know,
1: and I think that in that crafting, which i've i'm I try to get better at every every time I write and release a record or a song is, I I sure do edit a lot more than I did early on. Um, Is, is that time to really, you know, if you like as an, as a a young adult, I I didn't really have strong opinions that I could verbalize. And it's in writing and editing and crafting that I'm forming my opinions about things. And, um, even if it's, like, being open, not necessarily, like, uh, black or white, but the, you know, gray, like, I'm I'm able to find a way to communicate that, and, and I struggle with that. I still do, and I think in our family, I think there were a lot of communication issues, so I'm kind of committed to, yeah, I just want to be better at that, like, so there's no misunderstanding, so people aren't hurt, so we can heal, so that we can work on this stuff like spend more time doing the stuff that matters which is like the loving and the good times yeah there's gonna be rough times and we're gonna upset each other but honestly like more often than not in my family now um it's just it's more i think it's more about the love and and i think we've worked hard for that and we yeah like it's i can feel it, the, the shift the change you know that's beautiful Maybe you'll write a song about it. <laughs> I had to just shit all over your compliment. <laughs> it is uh, fucking write a song about it. This, Ian. Oh, uh, it.
0: Don't you hate that? Do you hate that as much as like? Do you like? You'll post a Facebook status. At, well, yeah, those too. Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, the, the, <laughs> like people
0: them. post to Facebook, you, you say something, and people go, "There's a song in that." And I'll be oh, like, fuck. And no. I'll be like, "I just made a joke about oranges at the grocery store. There's no fucking song exactly. in that. What is this? Unless you're Roger Miller, there's no song about that."
1: They usually say it exactly when, and it's something that I just really am not an expert in writing about. You know, they say, write what you know. Like, I mean, I'm good at, uh, you know, sort of painting a picture and and writing about feelings and, uh, but I'm not good at writing like quirky songs. So if, you know, if some kind of ridiculous, like there's a, There's a bear that's in the backyard and he's fighting with a porcupine. Like, that's not the song I'm gonna write and make famous. Like, maybe, I don't know who could loud and rain right for sure could
0: you'll you'll never do out. this because we'll never ever have the time but have you ever fantasized about just like trying to combine all those into an album and just like throwing it at those people and see like here here's yeah, what you you're fucking, you here's fucking here's the fucking Frankenstein yeah. monster that yeah. your shitty yeah. thing <laughs> yes. has made look at this this is porcupines and bears uh, buying oranges in uh, grocery yeah. stores that's <laughs> what your songs are do you like this I'd song? I tell you
1: what I could do a kitschy I am doing a tour <laughs> journal right now I could do a kitschy album Based on the road signs we read in Newfoundland. Like
0: Oh man. Or
1: just the names of your towns. Like it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Conception
0: what you, Bay. Conception Bay, Bay, Dildo.
1: Goobies. What was it? Goobies?
0: Goobies. That's great, yeah. Where right? does
1: that come from?
0: I don't know. Somebody misread Goonies? I don't know. Yeah. Um I don't know. But I mean New yeah. Brunswick to me has the greatest roadside sign. Like there's one town there. The uh, home of New Brunswick's Last Fatal Duel, dot, no dot, dot, and Resting Place.
1: See, you notice that because you're not from there. I grew up in New Brunswick. I've never seen that sign. I figured you'd know which town I'm talking about. Where it's near it?
0: Fredericton. What? I see it every time. And they have two little drawings of guns. And I mentioned it to someone in Fredericton. I was like, yeah, that sign. And they're like, yeah, the museum's actually pretty good. I'm like, the museum. There's a whole museum about <laughs> one duel.
1: Oh, my God. Is it, is it Gage Town? Or no, or it's Mucdo? not gauge
0: out. We're gonna Google it. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna Google okay. it after. Fact,
1: uh, fact check. It's yeah.
0: fantastic. And every t- how many times mm-hmm. have I done that drive? Yeah. And every time I go, ah, And then keep driving. I just <laughs> get what? one little chuckle.
1: Do you gotta do some serious you gotta do a, a live podcast from there or a Facebook Live or something now after Baby. this goes out. Yeah. But I we should we're gonna take a photo next time we pass through there. Please. This do. fall, we're going by.
0: Oh, yeah? yeah? Okay, cool. We're going, too, actually. We're doing oh, this yeah. Christmas tour. We're going to Fredericton oh, and a few... Florenceville, Bristol and a couple ah, of other spots. I've
1: got a, a Christmas house concert for you in Calgary if you're ever going that far.
0: I'm uh, yeah. in, in the spring, actually. Oh, wait, well, you're Christmas, at Christmas. It oh, it's very specific time. <laughs> Ian, it's spring happens you know? once... Christmas happens once a yeah. year, Ian, yeah? just so you know. Every yeah. now
1: and then, though, we do get... Like, I put out my first Christmas single last year right. and... Every now and then, though, it's not Christmas anywhere near the Christmas season. There, it's someone who's like, "Do the Christmas song," and I'm like, "No way!" And, and I, I usually say, like, "You fucking kidding me?" Because I don't, I don't even remember how to play it. Like, I have, you know, because I don't know if, about you, but like, even though I wrote a song, if I don't practice it, like, you know, play it a bunch, I, I chances are I, am not gonna remember it. Yeah, like, yeah, for a while. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, so I find that interesting.
0: You know what? We sold about um, I think at least a dozen of on uh, my our August our August tour Christmas Cities.
1: Couldn't wow. like believe a, it. Did you pitch them, or they were just there?
0: Uh, well, I would just do my general merch pitch in the middle of the show. Yeah. And usually, I would go, uh, you know, we also, you know, we, there's all these records. We also have a Christmas record, which we'll be playing during the second set. Lock the doors. That would usually be how I'd sort nice. of, you know, just kind of jokingly get into it. You're but I, right. yeah. but I would just say that, and then inevitably there'd be someone at a show that would be like, oh yeah, and give me the Christmas one too. Hilarious. You know? Some people hilarious. Some are some like, people
1: love Christmas. We're it. we're doing another. Uh, Christmas song, uh, we just finished one. Uh, this is actually, I prefer this one to the first Christmas song, which was a huge feat for me because I, I really hated Christmas for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, again, tied to stories from growing up, you know, like, uh, and what I learned, and I'm sure you, your listeners and, and you can probably relate, is you have to, if, if there's a time of year that sucks for you, christmas hanukkah thanksgiving and you but you value like being happy and their family and life you need to rewrite the story like you need to create new memories and new habits and new and we watch
0: die hard on christmas eve no joke that is a real and that is from nancy's family growing up with her brothers and every christmas there are are like a bunch of our friends come over and we do at least die hard one if not yeah. tired, one and two. And that's that part fun. of the Christmas ritual. Yeah,
1: That sounds fun. Yeah. You know, you could work in there. The, is, uh, there are two Krampus movies. Oh, yeah. One yeah. of them is a bordering uh, porno. Uh, I don't know what it's called, but it, it well, it's called Krampus. Yeah. Your then Christmas the other, song
0: is Christmas Porno, right? So yeah, Christmas is, uh, Porno.
1: That's the next one. Sorry. We're, <laughs> we just got a factor investment. I shouldn't. It's a factor grant. Factor investment to uh, actually develop uh, a holiday album, but I'm changing the plan for it to okay. be less of an album, more of a perhaps EP or less. Maybe even less. Right. <laughs> um but yeah the second movie is is also it's like a blockbuster Krampus movie that's pretty uh, entertaining and more family friendly, I say. Mm-hmm. But th- yeah, if you're looking for them though and you find the one on Netflix that's like it's, it's definitely not a blockbuster quality and it is like heads up if the kids are watching it turns into a porno eventually right ish yeah. right i'm not yeah just yeah just heads up
0: right well listen on that yeah. note no i'm just right. joking <laughs> um uh, i do have one or two more questions for you though and i like to do these impossible questions or questions that i that i hate as a musician and turn it on my fellow musicians what makes or a good upper. song
1: Ooh. all i can i'm just going to try to answer this question from a music, as a music listener, like, you know, trying to think of, like, what would draw me in, I suppose, or what has drawn me in. Um, geez, I mean, this is all depends on this. Again, this is like personal perspective, right? Like, depends on what resonates with the individual. But like, for me, I suppose it's some kind of a oftentimes, it's a groove, or a rhythm. And maybe that's connected to, like, a heartbeat, you know? Like, I really love Four on the Floor, like, kind of rock, classic rock stuff, dance music. But then again, I also am someone who listens uh, to the lyrics and the message and, and the melody. It's just something that resonates. Uh, so, fuck, I don't know. I guess it just has to resonate with you. I mean, I'm I'm not even schooled enough to to tell you the right answer, but, like... You know, all I know is like going on up to the Spirit in the Sky, like when that guitar riff and that, like that rhythm and that guitar riff and that energy, it resonated with something. It, it tweaked my ear and then, you know, the lyrics were pretty catchy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is this making any sense? Is this, is this? It
0: is as much as any answer can to that question because it is a super yeah, shitty okay. question. But I'd like to Fucking ask it asshole. to all... God. I know, right? This is what I do. But I love to ask it to every musician because I feel like eventually I'll have the cross-section answer because there is no... For sure, there's no one love. answer. Love. No, I, uh, exactly, bullshit. bullshit. Yeah, you know? I know,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, but then I'm thinking, like, there's other songs that... I mean, she's like... Like the Vincent song. and um, There was no four-on-the-floor <laughs> rhythm section behind that. It was so simple and beautiful. It was like... Ah oh, jeez what what was it that got to me about that song it's and it's there're a lot of lyrics like it's not like it's easy to remember
0: well i guess the other way to look at this question is looking for what the x factor is i love to explore that cuz that in itself seems like it's a contradiction but i guess what i mean is like um There's a checklist of things that you could definitely like, you ever seen that Your Brain on Music book? Do you know this book? And it's like this uh, psychologist or neuroscientist who like analyzed how music works and like why melodies get stuck in your head and like the science behind it, which is really interesting. But it's like, you can definitely have the X factor or the, sorry, the the objective list of like good lyrics, whatever they are, Mm. but even that's a question. Or like it has a beat or it has, and things are in tune. You can definitely go down yeah, to a certain she, level of objective, uh, but there's always an X factor that can throw off all those things. Like yeah. Bob it, Dylan wasn't always in time or in tune. Right. But the music was great. So what is, is it the fact that they, a good answer I heard, which is a very simple one, is is the you believe at least that the artist believes it. That when uh, you listen to Dylan, right, when you listen to Dylan, uh, you're like, I believe, I believe him. I believe yeah. that he believes it. And that somehow makes up for any of the flaws that are there and yeah. enhances the goodness.
1: Yeah, like the delivery, the believability. I think there's a song in this.
0: This is definitely over now. Um, (laughs) Okay, like one more for you here just before we finish. Um, uh, And this is, you know, this is another one that's tricky, but just to get some insight, you know. uh, Right now, do you have a song? If I said, tell me, Christina, like your favorite song of yours. And why? Oh, I know that's it. gonna change. I know they're all your babies. Blah blah blah. My, of but like, mine? Yours. Oh God,
1: that's even worse. Uh, I'm looking at Dale now. Dale, can you tell me what my favorite yeah, song can't. of mine is? <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. Um, how much time do I have to think about this? As much as you want. We can oh, edit yeah, it, it out or leave it there out. as an awkward
0: right. pause, so people think it's over. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to think of, like, a song that uh, st- we, I mean, for me, a good sign that I, that I guess I, st- I still find something in the song that, is that it's still in the set list, you know. Um. I play, we, at almost every show we play, uh, or if it's a solo show or a song circle, I'll play It'll Be Alright. Um.
0: Why? What is it about that song?
1: I think there's some nostalgia to it because when I wrote it, I was trying to channel a bit of Roy Orbison—that you know, that delivery, that that voice. That it was sort of, I guess, yeah, just like bringing me back to like Roy Orbison was one of my father's favorite singers, and you know, when growing up, like I would mimic. I learned how to sing by mimicking other artists and he would would have been one of them and um but when i so when i wrote that song and still when i write certain songs like i'll try to channel an energy or a vibe uh, an artist that i just adored and looked up to and wanted to be like um they were cool you know roerson wasn't really cool when i was young Mm -hmm. but he became cool Cool eventually with the Yeah. yeah yeah he was cool um and uh and then i think the message of uh this idea of like sometimes in life we you know we we want to lose controlling and give up and uh give up control to other forces or people that are saying this is trust us this is going to be great you know Um, give it a go. And you know, you don't have any other ideas that are any better. So you're going to go along with it. And you all you have is to hope This hope that like, it'll work out. Um, And I know when we release that record, it'll be all right. Like, in a lot of ways, I was kind of gambling and throwing money into things and reaching for something creatively and just hoping I would still be standing by the end of it and be better at what I did. And it would be all right, you know. Like, what's the worst thing? Like, mm-hmm. you die. You know, that's the very worst. You know, the, if people still love you and you're you're alive, you're healthy. Uh, I think you're okay. You know, like mm-hmm. if you if you're, you know as long as you're not hurting anybody and uh, intentionally or at all, actually. Um, let's not hurt people. <laughs> so, I like that message. That idea. It's something. It's also like something that I think we cling to. That idea of like when we have nothing else to cling on, you know, we've just lost someone we loved or something really shitty's going on. Um, We often say to our friends or ourselves, like it'll be all right. You know, like we're going to get through this. So I like that. I I like singing that song. I think that simple message is pretty powerful and being powerless Mm. and accepting that place in the moment. You know, it's, it's scary. It's exhilarating. You don't know. It's all you have. And, Yeah, so... uh, It's
0: funny. Years ago, Ron Hines told me, I think, one of my favorite pieces of advice about songs, which was that a song is just one simple thing. mm -hmm. And that was at a time when I felt like I was trying to write, like, the world in in every song. Mm -hmm. And so it was something I really needed to hear. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting to hear you talk about that that way because you're right. But there's a weight to, like, everything you've said in this conversation has has been behind, it'll be all right. Do you know what I mean? From like growing up in a certain way or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So, I mean, it's a simple message with believability, perhaps, behind it because of...
1: I sure hope so, you know.
0: (laughs) All right, how was this? This is kind of the end now. Oh, I love
1: talking with you. I've always loved talking with you. And I, I love what you're doing. I love this podcast. I just started listening today, but so far... So far I love it. So far so, it. so good. So far I don't know about this one but um I yeah no I, it was really you're a wonderful host. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Christine. I was entertained. Dale? Oh yeah, let's ask the actual (laughs) live audience. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. CBC clap everybody really fast. Uh, Yeah. We were great. (laughs) Wow. Someone should be paying for this. Do you have a Patreon?
0: Oh God, I should. Maybe. Yeah. I I have actually considered it. I I felt like this is um, this is uh, 1.0. You know, obviously, I started this in April um but we're actually doing our first live episode next month at the rooms with Mary Walsh amazing uh, and doing a few other ones coming up that are in the process so Sweet. that's kind of 2.0 and then we'll yeah yeah we'll see you know that's
1: I say yeah. get on the Patreon now it doesn't hurt yeah and then it's there
0: right and it's I just uh, worry I'm going to put it up there and I'm going to have one patron and he's just going to be like you should write a song about that every time and I'm like I got to take this down
1: well don't put out that you you're open to writing songs for people like <laughs> Don't put it in, yeah. There you go. No song requests. You will start with one and then slowly (laughs) develop, grow (laughs) to two. (laughs) And then maybe five months later, a third patron. (laughs) And they're all important.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. Thanks, Christina.
1: Thank you, Ian.
0: Oh, wasn't she great? Check out her music at ChristinaMartin.net where all our tour dates are and stuff. Check out our Patreon, too, if that's something that interests you. I think it's a great model for the future, personally. And we'll see you next week when my guest will be Brian O'Connell. Thanks so much. See you then.